Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you that we can gather today in your name. Lord, we're here to magnify the name of Jesus. Lord, we're here to receive from you. Lord, and thank you for uh, the ministry gifts. Lord, thank you for the spiritual gifts. Thank you for the Word of God and your Holy Spirit who leads us into all the truth. Lord, and reveals to our hearts those things that we need to understand and see. Thank you for the blessing of the Lord on each and every person now. Lord, an anointing to see and know in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Lord is good. Well, first I want to tell you about a guy who was trying to do the job alone. Uh, Dear sir, I'm writing in response to your request for additional information for my insurance claim. In block number three of the accident claim form, I wrote, trying to do the job alone as the cause of my accident. You said in your letter that I should explain that statement more fully. I trust the following details will be sufficient. I'm a bricklayer by trade. On the date of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I discovered that I had about 500 pounds of brick left over. Rather than carrying the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel by using a pulley which was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor level. Securing the rope at ground level, I went up to the roof, swung the barrel out, and loaded the bricks into it. Then I went back to the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 500 pounds of bricks. You will, notice, you will note in block number 22 of the claim form that my weight is 150 pounds. <laughs> Due to my surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. <laughs> Needless to say, I proceeded up the side of the building at a very rapid rate of speed. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming down. This explains my fractured skull and collarbone. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. By this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of the pain. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Devoid of the weight of bricks, the barrel then weighed approximately 50 pounds. I refer you again to the information in block number 11 regarding my weight. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for the two fractured ankles and the lacerations of my legs and lower body. This second encounter with the barrel slowed me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell onto the pile of bricks, and fortunately, only three vertebrae were cracked. I am sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the bricks in pain, unable to stand and watching the empty barrel six stories above me, I again lost my presence of mind and let go of the rope. The empty barrel w weighed more than the rope, so it came down upon me and broke both of my legs. I hope I have furnished information sufficient to explain why trying to do the job alone was the stated cause of the accident. A bricklayer. And we want to continue our thoughts about doing the job alone today. <laughs> I mean, you understand the body of Christ was not uh, meant to be one individual, 
doing many things. Let's read Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. It says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Amen. We began last week uh, sharing with you about how to improve your serve. Are you ready for some more of that here today? How many understand this is one of the characteristics of the, uh, of the New Testament, the body of Christ, is that we are no longer to live for ourselves, and we are no longer to gather just for our own personal benefit, but we are called to serve. We're called to serve one another instead of focusing on ourselves. And, uh, and just to kind of uh, catch a couple thoughts from, from last week, if we do focus on ourselves, then what happens is some of us have to pull the weight of others or some things, some necessary, important and good things that need to be done will not be done, all right? And really, both of those things are continually happening in the church worldwide. Some, pe- some people are pulling a double, pulling a triple, wearing themselves out, and other people don't do anything. They're just freeloaders or free loafers. What do you call that? Loaders? What's the loafer? He's just a loafer. <laughs> He's still free though, right? Uh, and so, again, certain things go undone. Other elements of God's kingdom get done by everybody else. And it's because we have not adapted the very basic concept of what it means to be a New Testament believer. How many know we've been given one command? And that is to love one another, right, as Christ has loved us. And that's what causes us to be in a mindset void of just simply self-interest, but in a mindset of looking to serve another person. What can I do for you? That ought to be one of the most frequently used phrases around a body of believers who gather together. What can I do? Not what can you do for me. What can I do for you? And how many know an an environment or atmosphere where many people are approaching each other that way? Man, that's like heaven, isn't it? I mean, that's just a, a selfless giving attitude that we should all have. I don't have the time and ability to do what I should do and do what you should do. You don't have the time and ability to do what you should do and what somebody else should do, all right? If we try to do that, we're going to neglect something. If I try to do my part and your part, I'm going to neglect something that I'm supposed to be doing because God gave me assignments and that assignment is related to and connected to His gift, His ability, and my time allotment in the earth. It's all, connect, it all, it's all connected and related. I mean, the Lord wouldn't give me a bunch to do and a minimal ability to get it done, nor would he give me a bunch to do and not enough time to get it done. That's just not nice. <laughs> That's just not logical. Nor would he give me an assignment that would occupy my life and expect me to do what you're supposed to do as well. I mean, that's just simple logic, isn't it? And it really makes sense that the Lord would be able to design His body in such a way 
where every part of the body of Christ is able to fully be engaged using what they've been gifted to do, using the time allotted them, and make a major difference. And when we're all working together, things really click. All right. And how many know you and I are not going to stand before the Lord someday to give an account of what somebody else was supposed to do? I'm not, and in fact, I'm not just going to give an account to the Lord of what, um, of what I did with my life. I'm going to give an account of what I did in relationship to what he gave me to do. Sometimes people think activity is what we get rewarded for. Or as long as I'm involved in doing something, then I'll be rewarded for that. Not if it's not what you're supposed to do. I get rewarded in relationship to my call relationship to what the Lord wanted me to do amen and that's why we've uh, like we said to you last week we give concentrated efforts and uh, we are committed to helping people discover and engage in what they're supposed to do you'll be most fulfilled in life when you're in your place when you're operating in your grace you'll be most dissatisfied and in uncontent incontent I'm having trouble with my words here today discontent there we go Thank you. Uh, when you're not in your place, in your grace, when you're not flowing in the plan and, and design purpose of God for your life, okay? And so that's why these things are so very important. You know, Jesus didn't tell us that, you know, the harvest is small, but the laborers keep running over each other. I mean, there's so many laborers out there, you can hardly even see the harvest, I mean, it's just tractors galore out there, and they're just bumping in, right? Is it, that's, all, that's not what he said. He said, the harvest, man, it's huge. The harvest is vast. It is great. And there's not very many people out there working it. There's not very many people gathering. And so what we need to do is, is recognize the need for us to be um, improving our serve, okay? And uh, if, if some of us do our part, what gets done? Anybody know? Part. Yeah, part. But what if all of us do our part? Then the whole, everything, the whole of it gets done. And then we can see how effective and how powerful the church was really meant to be. Okay. Let's go over to uh, Ephesians. That would be a left turn. No, it would be a right turn, depending on if your Bible's upside down. Uh, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, covering myself here for being... Biblically, biblically illiterate while trying to preach. <laughs> Pastor, you should put tabs in your Bible. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, this passage talks about how, how the Lord gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints uh, to do the ministry. Let's skip down to verse 16, all right? Verse 16, it says, from, talking about Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. How many joints supply? Every joint. Can get a picture of the joints of the body. Every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. How many parts? Every, every part. This is God's plan that every part do its share. And what happens, it says, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. What causes growth of the body? Well, when every joint supplies, when every part does its share. 
Isn't that a good plan? The body grows when joints supply and parts share. Every part does their share. On the contrary, that would also be true when everybody lives for themselves. When everybody is focused on what can you do for me? What can I get out of this? What happens? Uh, my joint's not supplying. My joint is a leech. It's just sucking the life out of everything, and it's all focused on self, and I'm not doing my share. What happens to the body? Well, its growth is stunted. Stinted? Stunted. <laughs> the growth of the body is greatly limited when uh, there are many parts of the body not supplying not doing their share. And if you are in the body of Christ, and if you've been born again, then you're in. You are a body part. You are a joint that is supposed to supply. Then there is a function and a design purpose for you, and the body will not function to its capacity, to its potential, unless there is a part that you're doing. Everybody see that? And again, what happens? It causes growth of the body. Now, would you like to be a part of a growing body or would you like to be a part of a stagnant, lifeless, self-centered group? <laughs> I, I think the premise of the question says, I, 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 I guess I'll go with the growth body, the growing body. But, but listen, it's not uncommon for people not only to be that way, but to associate with others who are that way. I mean, I've known people for a long time. They're, they're a part of groups, Christian groups, and there's just not any life there. It doesn't mean that those who are there are not saved, but there's nothing happening. There's no fruit. There's no growth. People aren't getting saved. You don't see people growing in their understanding and knowledge of God. There's no excitement. It's just existence. It's just drab. It's just, man, people aren't getting healed. The last time they saw a miracle, I mean, they can't remember it. They, you know, they may watch them on TV or something, but, you know, they're just not seeing a whole lot of, a, a whole lot of evidence that God is in the midst of them, all right? And, and what happens is, again, people get into a mode. They're just existing. They're not doing their part. They're not doing their share, and, and, and things are lifeless. I'm not interested in that. I wouldn't stick around a place like that. I wouldn't. Why? My life is on the line. That's kind of selfish, isn't it? Well, my family's life is on the line. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't raise my family uh, in, a, in a church where things weren't happening. Why? Because they're going to grow up with an idea that Christianity looks like this. And, and that this is inconsistent with the Bible, inconsistent with the book of Acts. I don't want them to think that, you know, being a Christian just means you go to church and you hate it. <laughs> you know, we don't want to, but we have to. You know, we're lacking financially, but we have to give. We ha we're lacking, you know, it's just kind of drudgery. That's what it means to be a Christian. No. I mean, the commitment side, man, that's honorable. So sacrifice is honorable, but when we're relating to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, when we're in relationship to the living God, there ought to be some, something that's alive, something that's exciting, something that's happening. We ought to be able to be uh, ha um, having a 
personal impact on the kingdom of God and making it better. Okay? And so, uh, again, this is what causes the growth of the body. But again, we've got to stay away from the mindset that many have today. It's all about me. It's all about what I get. It's all about my life. What can you do for me? And let me just, let me just stay on that for a moment because this is very strong in our culture. We live in a selfish society. We live in a me-focused world. It's all about what someone else can do for me, how I feel, what's convenient for me, if God fits into my schedule, if, if I have time for this. If, that, listen, when you live in a culture like that, it's very difficult to not have that be a part of your own mentality. You have to intentionally avoid it. You know what I'm talking about? We, we were talk, some of us were talking about uh, scuba diving last night. Or I was talking about it. Others were listening. <laughs> we, we, we were talking about, uh, well, I'll just tell you my experience uh, in scuba diving. I've only done it once. But it was very interesting to be way under the water. And it, it seemed like the, it was another world there. And in one sense, it's like it is. It was, it, there's so much happening, so much life so much activity that was going on there. And it's like, these guys, you know, like the fish and stuff, these guys have no clue of what's going on up there. And for the most part, we have no clue of what's going on down there. It's like it's a separated existence. But whenever you're in a certain environment and you live there for a long time, the way the culture goes is the way we go unless Unless in some rare instances we're able to recognize it and intentionally depart from it. You see, um, over Peter wrote about Lot. Remember Abraham's nephew Lot? He lived in a place called Sodom. You ever heard of them? <laughs> and the Bible says about him that his righteous soul was vexed from day to day, seeing and hearing all the lawless and the wicked things that were being done around him. He called, he called Lot righteous, but you read some of his actions, man, Lot was doing some bad stuff. But he said, he said his righteous soul, what was the deal? He was being hit from day to day because every day he's looking at it, he's seeing it. He's seeing all the evil and wickedness and ungodliness all around him, and it was affecting his life. It was affecting his righteousness, his thinking. Likewise, that's true in our culture. What we're talking about in Living a life to serve one another is not normal in our society. People don't live for that. We live for ourselves. And unless we take intentional effort and recognize this and say, Lord, show me this, man, we're not going to operate in this, what that we're called to do. We're not going to be serving and sharing in our, in our part. It just won't be natural to us. But I tell you, it's worth it because it's who we are in Christ. And most of us, you know, I think we've seen since the day we were born again, we've seen a shift and, and we've changed and, and we've gone that route, that route, we've gone that road, but more and more we can begin to think like Jesus in these regards. Let's go over to uh, Mark chapter 10 and read about what the Lord said. Mark 10, over here, some of his disciples were fussing and fighting with each other. They went to Jesus one day. They said, Jesus, 
We want you to do for us whatever we want you to do. <laughs> and uh, he said, what do you want me to do? He said, we want to sit by you in your kingdom. We want to sit on your right and on your left. And Jesus took that opportunity to teach him something powerful about the kingdom of God. Verse 42, 10:42. Uh, but Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them he said yet it shall not be so among you but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant what if you desire to be great you'll be a servant and whoever desires to be first shall be slave of all that's pretty strong language servant slave we talked about our, last week our position of being children of God. We're in the family of God. God doesn't treat us as servants, but we are supposed to do that to ourselves in attitude and in action to serve one another. Verse 44, and whoever, well, we read that. Verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Even the Son, even Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. If we're going to be like Jesus, walk like he, he walked, then our lives are laid down for somebody else. We're looking, again, not for what someone can do for us. We don't come to church with the idea of, man, what can this, what's this church going to do for me today? I need, some, I need something. Hmm? Now, others should be thinking that towards you. I, I'm thinking that towards you. What can I do for you? But we all ought to come in with the mindset, yes, I'm going to receive from God, but I'm here to serve somebody else. I'm here to assist in making somebody else's life better. Now, if that seems like, wow, I don't know about that. I don't, you know, that's the culture we live in. We're in the, you're 30 feet under. <laughs> this is all we know. Unless we dare to swim up and peek our head up above the water. <gasps> There's a whole new world out here. There's a whole new way of living. It's air. <laughs> and so again, who's great in the kingdom of God? Who is of great value? It's those who are serving. What do we look like at Life Church to those from the outside? Some of you may be, quote, from the outside. That's okay. People are always coming in. I wonder, what do we look like? You know, do, do we look like people who are just here for ourselves? Do we look like people who have gathered just to feel good about ourselves? And, uh, or, or do we carry a reputation? Do we create an environment where people come in from a self-serving world and they come in and see people who are entirely different? Where... In the world, you know, you bump into us now and then. You might bump into one of us at the mall, and it might not overcome a person. But when you get where a bunch of us are in the same building, it should be kind of overwhelming. It's like, man, everyone's like that. They, they're all nice. <laughs> they're all there to help out. They're all there to serve. No, no one is just living for themselves. 
Shouldn't that be the environment that we create, the atmosphere that we, that we have here in our church? What do we look like? Are we truly showing the love of Christ? We are if we're serving one another. Amen. Amen. I, I, find that, I find it interesting to think about that language that this Bible uses concerning this and other things that we are to, remember Jesus said, you are to love one another. We are to serve each other, serve one another. How many know what that, what that refers to? That refers to how I treat you, how you treat me. It's not talking about how we treat the world. Do you see that? One another is language that's used in the family. Our call is to love each other. He's, it's not mentioning us loving people outside of the body of Christ. So that almost seems kind of like, shouldn't our focus be loving people outside of the body of Christ? Well, listen, Jesus taught us that when we love each other, and that's shown through serving, um, it's, he said, it's by this that all will know that you belong to me, that you're my disciples. It's not just about, and I'm not saying, of course, Jesus taught us we should love our enemies and all kinds of stuff. That's just another message. But it is the way that we treat each other that causes the kingdom of God to be attractive to the world. See, people are stabbing each other in the back. People are looking for love in all the wrong places. People are looking for acceptance and to be loved and to be forgiven and all this stuff. And where are they to find that? They're to come and witness that between a group, a body of believers. They just refuses to be angry and or, you know, I mean, we may get upset, but we don't hold on to it. You know, we choose to love, we choose to forgive, and, and that environment is so attractive to the world, that's how people are going to get saved. Amen. I mean, I thank God for the power of God, healings and miracles, all these things get people's attention to a great degree, but ultimately, you know what the atmosphere of heaven is? It's, I don't think it's an atmosphere of miracles, because, you know, there'll be no need, but it will be an atmosphere of love. Amen. Amen. And so, and, and so that's the kind of environment we, we want to create. It's the kind of atmosphere we want to, we, we want to live in. We want to create and, and, and exist in in this place. Thank you, Lord. Well, uh, you think about, um, some of you are in business. Some of you may own businesses. How many know that uh, you never want to oversell and underdeliver? You don't want to have a great advertising campaign and then they walk into your business or buy your product or something of that nature and they're very disappointed. I, I think it's interesting sometimes um, how restaurants operate today. A lot, a lot has been said, a lot has been made of um, the large portions that you can get at a lot of restaurants these days and, and how, you know, back in the... Uh, decades gone by back in the 50s or so they compare the portions of like even if you were to go to a fast food joint and uh, the burger's bigger the fries are bigger the coke is bigger you know <laughs> everything's larger today than it was back then and and uh, and not questioning the health detriment to that but I think one reason that that those things are are true is because people have understood the in a business mindset they've understood the element of exceeding people's expectations. Some of the best restaurants I know, people come out 
uh, talking about, man, that was so much food. <laughs> man, you could never eat it all. You know, you, you order uh, one restaurant, that it's not in, even in our area, but to go to, if you order like a chicken fried steak, you know, you think of a chicken fried steak and some potatoes and something else, and uh, you get two of them, <laughs> two big ones, and I just ordered one. Well, what are they trying to do? They're not just trying to make you fat. I mean, <laughs> what they want you to do is remember it. What they want you to do is talk about it when you leave. <laughs> Go, man, that food was so good. I went over there. Man, they gave you so much food. I couldn't even eat it all. And they're trying to go over the top. How many think uh, that we ought to be that way? With the message that we have, with the love that we have, where we, uh, we go over the top. Isn't God that way? Isn't he called the God who is more than enough? People come to him, and they think, I'm just getting my sins forgiven. He says, oh, no, <laughs> I'm giving you a lot more than that. I'm giving you not only a relationship. I'm not only giving you eternal life. I'm going to bless you in this life I'm going to give you I'm going to wrap my arms around you accept you and love you and lift you and show and I mean he and he just keeps pouring out he he, he just overdoes us doesn't he that, that's his character it's his nature he does exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think I think we ought to adopt that mindset if you're in business take note for your business for the business world but listen in our church could we love on people so much that they can hardly stand it <laughs> I don't mean in a weird way, but where people go, <laughs> are we going to do the holy kiss? <laughs> it's cultural. No, not going to do the kiss. <laughs> but I mean, we're just so kind, so forgiving. Can you see this? And this is my earlier thought. Thank you, Lord. This is why the enemy wants to come in so badly to divide relationships. It is the testimony of the church. It is the thing that causes people to know that we're different. It's how we treat each other. And when the enemy is able to come in and divide, and one person's mad at another person, another person's bitter at someone else, and it works in families, you know, mother, father, children. It works in church families. That's why that's one of the enemy's primary objectives. Get us not to like each other. To get one person to be upset with somebody else. Well, what's happening there? Division. We're not operating in the, in the love of God anymore. We're no longer serving each other. We've lost our effectiveness. We've lost our ability to impact our culture. And so, uh, well, the Lord is good. Amen. Would you ever do business with a company that charged more than someone else? Yeah. Why would you? Normally, yeah. It's because they do a better job. They serve you better. They take care of you better. You walk in there, you like them. I've done that before where it's just one was cheaper, one was more expensive, but there's something about when I go with this one, I just feel good about it. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's true um, in all of our lives and, and especially in church. We've got to get this serving thing down. We really do. And I understand from a personal experience what it's like to be in a non-serving capacity for a long period of time. And hearing messages like this, hearing the Word and being, being taught, and I, I can remember uh, this time in my life, and I would sit and I would take notes, 
And, and I wasn't, I didn't have a bad heart. I wasn't rebellious intentionally and nothing like that. But I can remember I was in church and I'd worship, wouldn't just sing. I'd worship, I'd hear and I'd listen, I'd take notes. And I was grown in, in the word and, and, and doing nothing. And I didn't know I was missing out on anything. And I would hear stuff, and now and then I'd hear about, hey, you know, everyone's got their part, everyone's got a job, everyone's involved, and, uh, and I'd be, yeah, say amen. <laughs> and literally, I didn't feel convicted. I didn't feel anything. I was like, I agreed, but I wasn't doing anything. And this happened for a long period of time, and I was just happy, go lucky, watching everybody. I was being, I mean, I was a part of the equation. I was allowing someone else to serve me. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't like I wasn't contributing. <laughs> Someone's got to be served, right? I was one of those <laughs> for a long time until one day it dawned on me. It's amazing how this happens. How, I mean, this could be happening with you right now. Uh, or you could be having glazed eyes like I was. Yeah! <laughs> but it dawned on me that, well, I'm not doing anything. I mean, I love God. I love the people. I I'm not doing anything. I was just sitting in church. I was on the team, but I was never playing. <laughs> you know, I just, yay, good job, yay. I'm in the grandstands. I was supposed to be a team member. And when, it, when I realized, then I felt like, oh, on the inside, I felt like, I felt dumb. Here I am, Mr. Word Man, excited about the, the kingdom, and I'm not contributing at all as far as what I could do. And then I thought, how long have I been? I've been this way a long time. It just took a while for my thinking to change. It really did. And, and immediately, I went and, said, and I said, where can I help? And I started doing stuff. And I started having um, a, I, my joint started supplying <laughs> Uh, to the rest of the body of Christ and it made a real difference and again our personal spiritual growth is contingent not just upon what we eat and that's vital but upon what we do and we've got to find some outlet what am I doing in what way am I serving my brothers and my sisters in the family of God there's a story about four people they were named everybody somebody anybody and nobody here's the story there was an important job to do and everybody was asked to do it everybody was sure somebody would do it anybody could have done it but nobody did it somebody got angry because it was everybody's job everybody thought anybody would do it but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. The end. <laughs> if a person lacks a servant's heart, they'll frequently be asking, what, what do I get out of this? They may be thinking, how does this make me look? There was a... Uh, former chaplain in the U.S. Senate, Edward Hale. He said about every American's duty, he said, I am only one, but I am one. He said, I cannot do everything, but I can do something. 
what I can do, that I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I shall do. May that be the commitment, the heart's desire of every person here. I can't do everything. I can't do it all. None of us can. I can't win the world. I can't fix every problem in the world. I can't solve every issue. I can't meet every need. But that doesn't mean I can't do anything. That doesn't mean that my existence in the body of Christ is unimportant. It means that I can do something. And bless God, I will do something. I will have an impact. I will have a contribution. I will, my, my presence will be felt in eternity because of God's grace and His ability working in me. Let me give you one last scripture, and this is preview for next week. It's Hebrews 12, 28. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with, with reverence and godly fear. I want you to notice that language. By which we may serve God, how? Acceptably. And so there's a way to serve God in an acceptable way, which the contrary must also be true then. There is a way to serve God in an unacceptable manner and I want to make sure that every effort that I put out every every minute of my time that I give to serving another person which ultimately is serving God is done in a way that God accepts done in a way that's pleasing to him I want my father God in heaven to be pleased with me amen I know that's the desire of all of our hearts I want to do something where the Father's going, way to go. Good job. And so we want to take a look at how we serve Him. And how we serve so we can make sure that we are doing so in an acceptable manner. Amen? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank You today for what You're doing in our hearts. How You're helping us to see and recognize those things that may be lacking or may just need a restirring. We may need to refocus and get back to business. Lord, you've given us a part to play. You've given us a place in your kingdom, a role in your great plan. And may not a person here miss out on that. May not a person recognize their extreme value in all that you have planned for us. May we all come into a place of knowing and doing, of understanding and then operating in the gifts and callings of God. Lord, thank you for the privilege that we have of serving you and of being a part of your great plan. We value that. We treasure that. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for using us. And thank you for helping us. When when we've been culturalized, when we've been self-centered and just focused on what we get out of church, what we get out of the kingdom of God and not aware of the fact that we're to use this freedom to serve each other. Lord, thank you for your love and acceptance and forgiveness of us at all times. And thank you for leading us in the way that we should go. Oh, we give you thanks. We give you praise for it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. God is good.